tune in, tone up. Your one-stop shop for guitar tricks, tips, techniques and advice. With me, Gary Shilliday, and my own excellent teacher, Dan Davis. In episode 6 of this podcast, Dan gives me some thoughts about buying a new guitar and what I might look for in a new axe. We then look at how to play the rhythmic tunes of Pinball Wizard, Black Betty and Get Lucky, focusing on the energy and pulse of each. from our last two sessions uh, I've been looking at um, some rhythm playing and trying to find mm. some difficult songs in order to push myself a little bit yeah. so I'd really like some guidance and ideas about that continuing from what we've done already also been looking at Nam and interested in some of the guitars that are coming out and thinking about a new guitar at some stage for myself so maybe we could talk a bit about that too how to worry the bank manager yeah yeah, please, yeah, <laughs> yeah how to lighten my wallet yeah. yeah so those are the kind of two things I'd like to look at today yeah, I mean, it'd be great to maybe look at some of the songs that you've been working on recently where you've come up against problems and try and fix the problems or or figure out sort of why they are problematic and work a way around it. The guitar question as well, I think, is a very interesting question. You know, not a, not a week goes by without somebody saying to me, oh, what should I buy or I don't know what to buy. or yeah. And it's, you know, it's the age-old problem. You know, And if you think it gets any easier after me playing for 35 years, I'm telling you now it doesn't because I still struggle with it. But I do know what the pitfalls are and I'm always kind of happy to hold on to my money until something good comes along. I was quite interested by your um, Baja telly, actually, because yes. that's less less bank breaking yes and, and yes. I'm still then increasing my tonal output or choice <laughs> hmm. I think you've got to look at the reasons why you either want to change yeah or you want to rest and move on to something else and you know is it is it because you're doing a musical project or or is it because of some other reason total I mean, geekiness <laughs> well yeah that comes into it too you know if you've got the money honey you know what they yeah. say yeah <laughs> I mean, my my nephew, for example, is a professional musician and he buys the guitars that he needs to complete a job. So a few months ago, he was playing for Leona Lewis. He needed lots of sounds instantly available on tap, didn't have money to burn. And so for 700 quid, he got a second-hand Line 6 Variax. And I think it was like possibly the Tom Anderson designed ones. No, Tyler, sorry, James Tyler designed ones. They pack loads and loads of sounds. They're a well-made guitar. A friend of mine had one of those. Had a Jackson, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're, they're not the best known and you, you won't usually hear guitarists waxing lyrical. You know, it's, it's not a 52 telly with all original everything. You know, it, it yeah. just sounds like the bee's knees. But it's designed to sound like a whole bunch of different instruments under one roof for a paltry sum. And for what he was doing, for the money he had in his bank account, it served him well. After that, sell that, move on to the next thing. 
he's now touring with Emily Sande, and he's doing I mean, right. he's doing okay. <laughs> I think I think he's got a Gibson three three five, like an older one that he's picked up somewhere down the line, which is a great place to start for that kind of. Gary Clark Jr. plays one of those, I think, or he's got he certainly got some. He's got an Epiphone one, isn't he? Is it Epiphone? Is it? I have a feeling it's an okay. Epiphone model. Okay. I think his is a Casino, isn't it? Rather than the three three five, the Casino has the P90s on it as opposed to full humbuckers and I think Mike's had the, the humbuckers and he then went out and got an old Japanese K jazz guitar from the 70s uh, okay. which again it's the look it's, it's you know if you're doing photo shoots and all that sort of stuff it's it's got it all going on and for his own stuff his regular squeeze is a telly and I don't think it's an expensive telly it's whatever telly he can lay his hands on so that's how he operates you know, I've known other people who can only play a couple of chords and, and you know, they're down the music shop buying a, a PRS Custom 24. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Or, or, or the Sirs, or the... I mean, there's there's still a Charvel down at uh, GAC that's quite interesting. But, the Guthrie Govan one. Yeah, yeah, still there. Now, ever, ever since you've come to lessons, we've been talking guitars, and it's been hovering away in the background, like should I buy this or should I buy that or I'm not sure what way to go yeah. what do you think drives your you know your sort of desire to purchase an, another axe uh, I think it's uh, that point that you're playing where you go uh, I've thrown everything into this this has got this particular guitar this has got all my finger stains on the fretboard and and I love it to bits for all of that but it's uh, it's, a, it's a double humbucker it's got a certain range of sounds and like the country twang was we managed to achieve but nice to have a little bit more kind of variety mm. available also having a go on your uh, sir a while ago noticing the higher fret uh, all right yeah. and just the playability of it was an interesting thing you know having mm. a different kind of guitar to to, to to develop your skill with I was see I was musing on this very subject as I so often do earlier today I was thinking about this and I always am a firm believer that that you know if you want a guitar to sound pretty authentic, like you want that Les Paul to waft of you know fifties and sixties Les Paul tones. While there's some great modern Les Pauls out there, possibly the best place to start is with something like a you know a Gibson reissue. You're going to have parts kind of closer to the original. The design is not going to be compromised, and all the rest of it. Unfortunately, along with the lack of compromise over the build and the the way it plays, means that there are compromises in the way it plays. Yeah. If you see, so you know, if you want a flatter fretboard, you know, with a lower action, um, that's not quite Les Paul territory. I know they're now putting those on USA standard Les Pauls, and I doubt whether that would affect the tone at all. Um, but there's something about the the kind of sort of all original authentic guitars giving you that authentic tone, mm. which some of the modern ones kind of do, and some don't. I realise you know you've, if you buy from the custom shop, even if it's a reissue, you're still buying a new guitar. But it's how closely they're kind of sort of adhering to sort of what's gone before. Now, of course, it can also be a bit of a, a mook point because you think, well, unless I have two guitars side by side, how will I ever know? And yes, there is there is a truth in that. I mean, I, I had a Les Paul subtle differences. You know, there certainly yeah. can be. I mean, I had a Les Paul standard in two thousand and fifteen. It had all the whistles and bells. It had all the push pull parts with the coil tap, the phase reversal, the blower switch, all of that stuff. 
even had the the special electronic tuning system on it for about four days until it wound me up and it had to go. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. <laughs> but boy, did it sound good. And I kept on taking it to gigs because it sounded good. It wasn't the tone that let it down. It was just because that neck that they put on them in 2015 was so wide, I just kept falling over the damn thing. And that's why I made the change. But now I've made the change to the Les Paul I have. It's now a Les Paul I'm very, very unlikely to ever part with. And so when, yeah, when it that's comes... That's what I'm looking at out of my Stratocaster move, I guess. You know, something that is going to be good enough that I'm going to, you know, never want to sell it, really. <laughs> it's a very difficult thing because we're all different. We hear things differently. When we play a guitar, we're looking for, for different things. Now, of course, guitar makers are very good at finding the things that the majority of people, the majority of time, will go for. You'd always find that Stevie Ray Vaughan player who wants to string it with 13s, drop it half a step, put massive relief in the neck and have an action you can drive a double-decker bus under. <laughs> These people will always exist. Obviously, most people go for a... Like, most companies go for a fairly mainstream setup on their guitars. And these things, sort of, if we like that sort of thing, sort of reel us in. Mm. In terms of of the buying factor, I guess you have to look at what's out there, decide what your budget is, and then the hardest thing of all. The heart wants what the heart wants. We all have an idea of what we really, really want. You know, about three, four years ago, I went into GAC... And they had a Gibson Collector's Choice guitar. Now, for those who aren't familiar with the Collector's Choice, there are a range of guitars that ended up in the hands of collectors, well-known, well-heeled collectors, and Gibson were able to take the guitars, scan the guitars, replicate the necks, replicate every dink, replicate the colour, even replicate the pickups. And they've done a number of different guitars. We're up to about, I don't know, 30... 40 guitars now and each each run is only of 300 guitars and the one that I tried that really really stuck in my mind and I will I was, I was surfing the internet earlier today seeing if I could find one this is going to bug me for years to come mm. it was the the one that was owned by Ronnie Montrose of Montrose <laughs> and it was a 58 and it had a very strange neck on it but a fantastic tone real smooth and balanced and mid-rangey. And it was just a wonderful guitar. And that, to me, set the benchmark. And it was quite hard finding a Les Paul that matched that benchmark. So once you find something you really, really like, or you've got an idea in your head of what you want, it's very hard to get that out of your head. And you do have to fall in love with the guitar that you're going to buy. So my advice would always be, decide what what you're going to do with it. Are you playing it for pleasure so it just doesn't matter? So, for instance, you know, although you don't play a lot of jazz, you've got enough money to buy a Gibson ES-175 for fun. Yeah. That's not me. <laughs> just because. I, w- I wish it was. <laughs> don't we all? You know, or, or some of the more unusual things like Jazz Masters and, and, and Jaguars, which are a little bit of an oddity. Or are you looking for something which is going to do a job? My Sir Guthrie Govan does a job, and it does it very well. It's a very nice guitar to play, 
but it's it's designed for the jobbing guitarist. It's designed for the guy who's going to fly around the world, play lots of different styles, and just wants to get those sounds out of his guitar as easily as possible, and wants something that plays nicely and is always reliable. If that's what you're looking for, then you're in a slightly different bracket. If you're after authenticity, you know. Now, when I say authenticity, I mean like a Telecaster that really smacks of a fifties or 60s because they are quite different or again a strat which really kind of nails that 60s or 50s tone or les paul 335 do you know what I mean? the classics mm. so you you need to decide what camp your guitar is going to fall in because most guitars fall in one of them they're either an all-rounder they're an oddity they're a classic or then you get the ones which are very very style specific right the jazz guitars the metal guitars just like in the eighties, you know, no one wants to turn up to a <laughs> to fly the well <laughs> with a fly or to to a wedding gig with the flamingo pink Kramer with the reverse headstock <laughs> set of eights. No. It's, it's just it's just wrong. It's bullying. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 you know, what wedding have we come to? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, a few years later in nineteen ninety six, when you start opening the case, it kind of jars every time. <laughs> oh, I wish I didn't get in the painted flamingo pink. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. So you. Yes, certainly do. <laughs> now we can look back at his kitsch, but at the time, it was, oh, not sure about that. It's almost retro now, isn't it? It, it is. <laughs> so, I mean, like, you know, these days we've got the sort of none more black ESPs and Jacksons and stuff like that. So, what are you looking for? Out well, of that lot, out, out of that lot, I, I, I guess the, the, the tool, the one that you really love playing because it's been designed with uh, huge amounts of uh, care to detail and uh, lots and lots of tone you talked about a custom fender that they've got a gag that I've been looking at as well but then there's the Guthrie Govan Charvel 2 and I think it's just waiting until I've got enough cash to so really what you're for. after is a player centric I think guitar. so yeah that's it yeah. I mean I, I think these days we live I'll, I'll say this yeah. to the entire audience out there and this goes for anybody whether you're eight years old and you've just picked up a guitar or or whether you're you've been playing all, all your life and you want to buy a new guitar we live in a golden age as far as guitar guitars are concerned even the fairly cheap ones play pretty well considering if you hark back to the 70s the cheap ones were pretty awful i know because i had a 70s cast off as my first guitar and it was crap these days they're designed on computer they're made on a you know on a cnc router everything fits they might mm. be made out of rubbish woods if they're cheap they might be have crap hardware but everything works and everything does what it says on the tin obviously as you move up through the model ranges you get more attention to detail you get better hardware you get nicer woods you get better finishing the things that get done by hand like finishing frets and stuff like that and that's that's where some of your money is is going you've got to remember with guitars it's a case of diminishing returns like i said to a guy tonight we talked about his um he had a yamaha acoustic and i said to him is your yamaha acoustic which is 150 160 quid i said is it 10 times worse than my tailor that's 1600 quid or is my tailor 10 times better than that and it doesn't work that way no, you know, and I said it, it's 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 not a case of it's so many times better. It's a case of you're getting an upgrade on everything, but you have to go a long way financially to get a significant upgrade. Usually, 
You know, it's like if you if you like turntables for vinyl and things like that, isn't it? As you get to the upper echelon, in order to get a small increase in quality, you're having to fork out a lot of money. Yeah, it's it's, it's like horsepower in a car, you know, to not one second off 0 to 60. You know, you need more and more horsepower, the more the faster the car. Yeah, that makes sense. And and it's the same sort of thing with, with guitars. You know, you can shell out an awful lot and you're not necessarily getting something that's better. I had a kid once who said to me, and he had like a hundred quid Strat copy, and he wanted to get a cheap Epiphone SG copy. It was like 110. He said, will it be better? And I said, no, it won't be better, but it will be different. So if you're at that level where, say, your guitar is 500 quid, and you see another guitar for 500 quid, it might suit you better. It might sound more like you want it to, but if it's, you know, in this day and age, it's likely that in terms of being a better guitar, there's probably not as much in it as you think. Mm. It's probably more like it's different rather than better, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Things are more... Picking up for different reasons or different songs or... Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for an all-rounder, what, what sort of money do you think you would put into an all-rounder? There's an awful lot of good uh, interest-free deals and stuff. Gak's pretty good and Anderson's pretty good too, isn't it? So... You know, because of that, I mean, if I was to wait a couple of years, probably I could be looking at a couple of grand, actually. Um, but maybe not right now. And that's why I'm hesitant and still remaining hesitant. <coughs> Brexit, but, I think, is really... Yeah, that's the nerve-wracking part. <laughs> it's, it's really kicked like music shops and, and musicians in the nuts. Because what was cheaper last year is no longer cheaper this year. And some of the increases are outrageous. To give you an example, when I bought my Les Paul, it should have been four and a half grand. And there was lots of money knocked off of it because it you know, had been on the shelf and no one had bought it, so I did. Now, if you buy that guitar at that, if you bought the guitar in 2013 without the relicking that mine's got on it, it would have cost you £3,200. With relicking, it's another 1300 quid. Now, with Brexit and everything else, if you want the same guitar as, as I've got, pretty much, without the relicking, it's £3,800. Right. If That's, you want uh, one with relicking on it, you're going to be clipping past the five grand mark. And that's some price hike. I'm kind of yeah. glad I bought it when I did. And even, you know, if, if I wanted a second-hand one of these, I've seen two second-hand Guthrie Govan Sirs recently, the signature model, and they are almost as much as I paid for mine. Five and a half years ago, I paid 2,899 quid. Peach Guitars have one currently hanging on their wall, second hand, in no better nick, £2,699. Yeah. So yeah. With, the all, with the all-rounders, if you were looking at the two-grand mark, let, let's round up a few all-rounders that you could certainly... Yeah. And maybe Try. even slightly more. I mean, I was interested by that custom Fender. That looks lovely with the Floyd Rose. Um, 1964, was it? Or, I, I think, think it was a, was it a 68, 68 or something 68 like that. 68 it was, white one. And that was looking nice. And then there's the Char- Charvel one, which I've seen in the in the woods, so to speak. And uh, it looks pretty good. I haven't really given it a proper try. And that's what I need to do. I mean, you know, you know, with all of them, they're all good instruments. They're all great quality. 
I I do think with the Charvel, he's he's got everything now on the five way switch. I don't know exactly what the switching is, um, but I think it's a simpler switching setup than this had. So I think yeah. it's probably missing some of the sounds. If you wanted to look at the Fender Custom Shop one with the Floyd, you'd have to decide whether a Floyd is your cup of tea, because some people hate restringing them. I'm not particularly bothered. I've had many Floyd roses over my time. Uh, it also has a silent set of single coils as well. I think it's got Seymour Duncan silent single pickups. So it is going to be a good stage guitar, but it's effectively a strap with a humbucker and a Floyd Rose. Now, if you're not so fussed about the humbucker, there's lots of far cheaper options which you could try and which you might, might actually kind of like. I mean, if you if you were looking at something like the Elite series, like that guy who came to me last night with the Elite yeah. Telly, I was really impressed with that guitar. I thought it was a really nice guitar and it was a really lovely lightweight. And while I've never liked Fender's silent single coils before, I thought they did a fantastic job on that telly and it sounded really, really good and just every inch of telly. If the Strat is as good as the Telecaster, you know, with a bit of haggling, it's weighing in the 1600 quid. And that comes with a case, a strap, a lead, all of the, the extra case candy that you don't usually get with everybody else. The only thing I would say with the Fender stuff, there's nothing wrong with it, but it isn't every man's guitar. You know, you are not gonna you're not gonna play a dozen gigs without seeing something which is damn similar. You know, yeah. it's a strap. We've all got one. Um, other options which you could look at in the same sort of bracket are the Sur Pro series, um, which with a, a little bit of looking around can be had for sort of two five to two eight, and they're basically a, a modern. A 24 fret modern like this but with a set spec yeah so you've actually got the same three pickups the switching's not quite as fancy everything's just on the five way you get the goto i think you can get them with the floyd as well great guitar it's got lovely that's tops the goto, it. isn't it that's that's the goto even the floyd they use is a goto one as well on the sirs yeah so i've never really had much experience with tremolos and that's another thing i definitely want from a new guitar I mean, that's that's another reason why you, you might want to quiz yourself over whether a Floyd is, is for you if you haven't done trems before. Because restringing will, you know, be more complex, obviously. Yeah, okay. Tom Anderson's are well worth a look, very much in the same sort of range league price as the Sir stuff. A little bit more unusual, though. You don't see many about, and that's kind of nice. Yeah. You don't see too many around. Um, PRS are great on tone, aren't they? PRS, the, the, the cool thing with the PRS is, is that they've kind of got their own thing going on. It's like you don't listen to an album with a Sir guitar on it and go, that's a Sir guitar. Sorry, John, but that's, yeah. that's, the, that's <laughs> the truth. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's lots of different guitars which are out there. But when you hear a Strat or a Telly or any other classics, you can tell what it is. Even an SG's got a very different tonal signature from a Les Paul. With the PRS, I think they have almost got kind of their own thing going on. Yeah. You know, to the you know, I remember Alex Lifeson from Rush saying that he'd heard a lot of PRSs on records. Yeah, he could hear it when he was using PRSs. He could hear that a lot of people were using them, and they do have quite a distinctive kind of sound. There's quite a lot of options in the range as well. You've got 22 fret guitars, you've got 24 fret guitars. Um, depending on how much you're willing to stretch to, 
or if you go second hand you can sometimes get the wood library models which have different woods some are swamp ash some are mahogany sometimes you get maple boards instead of rosewood or ebony and things like that so there's lots of different options i think the nice thing with the prs is, is that they're always looking to upgrade things they're always looking to take a guitar that they've done for years and make it better and that's quite a, i think that's a good attitude yeah and Paul Reed Smith is quite a fascinating character. You know, he has got a passion for what he believes in. Yeah. You know. Yeah, without that. And, without, and yeah. he doesn't make anywhere near the same sort of money as people like Gibson do. Nowhere near it. I think Gib- I think Gibson, the Gibson Enterprise stroke name, is worth something like $350 million. <laughs> Where Paul Reed Smith comes in with a lowly 43 and a half. Alright, okay, yeah. <laughs> still, still worth a few quid. But yeah, up against up against the big boys is is it's nowhere near it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite a percentage, isn't it? <laughs> what I would suggest is you once you decide your budget,
or just a little bit instead of going bling the strings kind of go boo yeah. just a little bit dead you know it should have a guitar ideally should have a nice natural sustain and a good ring to it you know that's that's how it should be in an ideal world yeah just from those just from the woods <laughs> that's yeah. it if you like a Les Paul and you want a little bit more from a Les Paul um that's something else you can look at because the playability of the new Les Pauls like the, the standards is pretty amazing you know, yeah, when we were talking, uh, I arrived about the new uh, body shape as well, weren't we? Yeah, you're the 24 fret one. But I mean, if you like that, you know, they, they, they do some now, like the high performance models. Okay, they've got the tuning system on there. That may not be for you. But they have like a dressed away heel and everything. And if, if you don't like the tuning thing, you can always get the, the Les Paul Access, which is a custom shop model, but it's one of the cheapest custom shop models. And it has a slightly thinner body, a dressed away heel, coil taps. You can get one with the Floyd Rose if you want. I do love Les Pauls. I, mean, I love this bit of kit. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes, sometimes it's familiarity. Yeah. You know, the guy, the guy who traded his PRS for a telly had tried the PRS as an experiment, had it for three months and just decided it wasn't for him. You know, he, sometimes people like what they like. Yeah, you know, you think Slash uses Les Pauls all the time, and when he wants a trem guitar, he has a Les Paul with a trem. He sort of found the formula that works for him, and he's sticking with it. Yeah. So I think lining up a few guitars, but also be prepared to try some oddities. You may be surprised. Hmm. Yeah, you may be pleasantly surprised. I will. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's going to be a while, folks who are listening. <laughs> it's not going to be next week or anything like that. But oh. it's, it's going to be a while. But lots of food for thought there for me to hmm. think about. When, when I mean, one one day I walked out of the house thinking. I must get an all-rounder. And I had in my mind that I would get a PRS. Mm. So I hadn't had a PRS for it. I was kind of hankering after one. I was like, mm, maybe. And I was sort of looking for inspiration. I was almost like I was hoping to walk into a music shop, any music shop, don't really care which one. And there's a fantastic Tom Anderson in a fantastic colour with great switching, great pickups, feels great, and it's at a bargain basement price. That's what I wanted. <laughs> and could I find what I wanted? It was a bit of a struggle. And in, in the end, I ended up with a Rob Williams. And Rob Williams is an individual sort of, he des- you know, designs and builds guitars sort of one by one. He's, you know, he makes guitars from scratch by hand and lives in the Welsh Hills. And I ended up with one of his guitars. And he winds his own pickups so even. Fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's nice. It's nice thing to know about your own bit of kit, isn't it? That's right. And I, and I used his guitars for a few years. And I, I literally left the house thinking, right, okay, this afternoon I hope I'm walking back with X, Y, and Z. And I just didn't. And I ended up trying something which normally I wouldn't have gone for something which was a maker I didn't know and hadn't heard much about. I ended up trying his guitar, deciding actually it's really great. Mm-hmm. And that's what I that's what I took home with me if, about a week later. You know, so it's good to be open minded, but at the same time, kind of have a, an idea and try not to leave disappointed. You know, yeah. so if you've got an idea of the guitar that you want in mind, if it fits your criteria, you know, we should get the acoustics well, out, shouldn't we, in one of these sessions as well? Because we both, you've got your Taylor, and yeah. I've got a Gibson acoustic too. We should we should do something around that so people can hear the tonal differences between those two guitars and we could do something acoustically. That'd be a good plan. Absolutely.
So would you like to look at a tune? Yeah, let's do that. So there's um there is um Black Dog, which is a nice riff in it. Um Wizard's cl- a, a good one. Yeah. Yeah, Pinball Wizard is a good one actually. Yeah, let's do that. Pinball Wizard must be one that you do in your, in your band, is it? Or? We don't, actually. Okay. Um, let's uh, call up YouTube for our all of our tunage needs. So, what? It's a bit of a funny one, because it's played on, kind of played on an acoustic, isn't it? Yeah, 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 actually. Yeah. And the electric do the... I'm using kind of more of a single coily sort of sound. It's a tricky one on a Les Paul because you're never going to get quite the chime. No, probably tone right up on the treble. Oh, yes. And. Section. 
down. We know where we're going. Cool. Right. Cool. So, we'll where did you struggle with this particular tune? I think it was more the beginning bit. Uh, okay. I haven't played it for quite a long time, actually. So, uh, right. yeah, it's just that uh, <laughs> more than anything. But uh, I think it was that kind of uh, the descending bass, is it? Or the descending top, and then it goes down to a descending bass at the beginning in the intro. That bit's uh, a bit tricky. So let's look at that intro. <laughs> Basically, everything's bass. That's in the key of, sort of B-ish. Yeah. We've got like a B minor chord, but we're going to centre our attentions upon the F sharp on the full fret of the D string. Yeah. And all of the chords kind of played off that at the beginning. So. Take the first finger off, so you've got the open E. B minor. Yep. Got it. B minor at 11. Yep. Yep. Then the F sharp. So just literally the three notes there. Yep. F sharp minor. The lead in the open E. Open E in the top, yeah. Yep. And then just the. F sharp note on its own. Just like E minor. F sharp. F sharp. Yeah. I'm here at uh, Hotel California there for a moment. That's <laughs> right, yeah, it's good. Yeah. prevails all the way through if you haven't listened to where that guitar starts that's here probably the, the other thing I was having difficulty with actually I imagine oh well, actually the shape of the rhythm yeah Sus, to, I, I think it's sus chords, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And the way I play it, I think it keeps the open top string oh, okay. green. Yeah, really. yeah. It certainly sounds better if you do. I fret the root note, the two middle strings, and I mute the A by okay. just letting the foot. That makes sense. Make our way down in two fret blocks. Okay. Yeah. 
punching at the end. Dang, da, 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 dang, da, 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 dang, dang. Yeah. It's quite defined. <laughs> Bang for buck. 
I said to you like about keeping energy in a piece would you know what I meant uh no go on <laughs> okay it's a tricky thing to, to kind of like explain it's sort of one of those things that Pulse, kind of like you, you can hear it you can have someone who's perfectly in time but their their playing just has no spark or no energy yeah, yeah okay when, when I say energy it's sort of like the way Pete Townsend was never short of oomph in his mm. playing <laughs> he just gets windmills. Apparently, yeah. he impaled his arm on his on his trem arm once. Oh, yeah. Impaled his hand on his trem arm while doing a windmill. Oh, Ouch! <laughs> that's that's embarrassing, isn't it? Ouch. To listen to it. <laughs> but he's he's got that kind of. It's almost like he's pushing the tune. What he's doing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, it's kind yeah. of like not just the pulse, but it's like he's almost like just pushing it. And sometimes it's this push and pull in a band, mm. like people playing sort of in front or behind the beat, which kind of creates that kind of musical, yeah, okay, energy. So it's you know? slightly, slightly changing that timing almost. <laughs> Something along those lines. It's a, it's a tricky thing. It's hard, to build, it's, hard to, it's hard to kind of get that across almost, isn't it? It's very hard to get that across. Because the, the, the thing that you need oh, often to perform as well as possible is to be relaxed. If you're actually talking like how you move on a guitar, you don't really want to be tense. Because if you tense, then everything tenses up. Yeah, yeah. And you, know, you want to be able to move. Ten- tension doesn't equal dexterity. Yeah. You know, and that's fine while you're string bending or something like that, but when you're actually kind of sort of strumming, you want a degree of looseness there. Almost like you're a very controlled ragdoll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean but it's kind of like on the beat but it's push 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 you know and, and kind of Pete Townsend's playing it's really complex but it's got this fantastic ballsy energy about it yeah yeah that's right you know yeah. you, you cannot listen to um, what's that tune One Get Fooled Again without feeling something yeah, yeah that intro right. that first A chord bang yeah. it's Huge. He knew what he was doing, didn't he? <laughs> massive. He prides himself on being a rhythm player and it kind of comes across because he's a really, really good one. Do you know what I mean? And it's not that he plays complex things, but it's that his playing is so timely and it pushes that tune and it's it sounds massive. His tone's huge. Absolutely huge. And his, and his playing, although understated, is it's right bang on the money. Yeah, rhythm-wise. And that's what I'm looking for at the minute, actually, is uh, Mm. that side of things to be improved. So, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll look at it a bit more. Have have a look. Yeah. Um, What what other stuff can we uh, swing through there? Probably haven't got too much time for too many, but more, but we could do another one, I'd imagine. Um, I have looked at Black Betty. 
Oh, Ram Jam. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's got an interesting kind of uh, rhythm, a little bit like the Lafrink we did a couple of weeks back. About a month ago now, maybe. God, dear. The, the band with the worst T-shirts and hairstyles. <laughs> yes. yes. I have learned. I thought it was in B. Warner's in B. I'm gonna double check against this one. I've got it there. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. into one yes yes without looking at every single riff yeah, 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 yeah like the back of my yeah. hand yeah um was it the funky kind of feel yeah well that's what i thought Now, it's not that the note isn't there, but it, it I believe it crops up as a mute. mute, mute. <laughs> on the chord or on the downstrokes. Right. <laughs> 
I'm mucking about everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm You don't get many rhythms that are kind of funky like that in rock, I don't think. That's what I was looking for. I was just like, because that's got to be the thing to practice in some ways, to build up that rhythm and stuff. So you find it in funk tunes all the time. Yeah. And I suppose back then, there was 1977, I guess you're looking at funk being quite popular at the time, so cross-pollination. The the other one that was really cool Mm. and is really swift and would be interesting for folks out there, but I've kind of kind of got it it's not too difficult is that uh, Get Lucky oh uh, Nara right, Rogers yeah. it's so cool Nara Rogers as well I really listen to him after that lesson of London game so sorry Nara Rogers is just so cool as well isn't it he's just so good say this now for the record yeah I'm going to say this now I think Noel Rogers is an amazing guitarist he's amazing yeah and, and I haven't looked I underrated haven't looked by other guitar players especially by rock guitar players who underestimate how tough it is silly fools <laughs> heathens yeah stupid people um it's tough to keep up a funk groove and to make it funky you know, it, it's hard to lock in because you're doing the job of a bass player. A lot of guitarists think they'd make a great bass player. Yeah. And most guitarists are awful bass players because they fiddle too much and they don't lock in enough. You know, and a bass player's job is to lock in with that kick drum. And really, the way Nile Rogers plays guitar, it's got that rhythmic kind of percussive element. He's locked. He's yeah. absolutely locked. 
the amount of great songs this guy has played on, the amount of amazing albums that he has played on, the amount of in- incredible songs he's written is unbelievable. There, you know, and his guitar playing is, is not always at the centre of all of them, but it's always in there and it's always pushing the song along. He's got a couple of like masterclasses on YouTube that I'd encourage folks out there to go and have a look at as well. He knows really his good. stuff. You you yeah. think he's just going chinky 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 on a couple of notes, you know, like the funk like funk so frequently is. But actually in terms of songwriting, he's got a wealth of musical mm. understanding and harmonic knowledge about what chords work with what and a lot of jazz theory stuff that you wouldn't expect a guy playing funk to know. But he's he's a phenomenal player and a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. And it would do an awful lot of guitarists to go out there and try and play rhythm as solid as that and as funky as that. Yeah, I'll keep looking at him. Yeah, no, thank you very much for everything. That's brilliant. That's right. So we had to I'll quickly run this by you. Yeah. than some of the uh, the kind of lessons simplified lessons I think I've seen on the YouTube as well but it's mixes but yeah it's good like that kind of thing now what I'm going to say now for the, anybody who wants to get better with funk Get that pulse going. Yep. Get that leg counting. Yep. And really dial dial into it so you can really do it you know, metronomically.
Yeah, I would suggest that if you're yeah. if the B minor and the D is kind of stumbling you a little bit, yeah, play the full chord if you think you're going to kind of run into problems with with missing notes oh, that's or whatever. Nice point. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. have to kind of hit every note in the full chord, but it stops any kind of stray notes. Sounded a little bit better there, and yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's tougher than you think, it's very difficult, right? it, yeah, it, yeah. it is. And you know, you, what sounds quite simplistic, I'm gonna get it though, <laughs> <laughs> get it. yeah, yeah. Your determination will serve you well. Thank you very much, Dan. That's all right, always right. a pleasure. Stay tuned for more episodes, jams, improvisation ideas, and well informed thoughts about amps, pedals, and guitar gear. If you enjoy this podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes, find us on SoundCloud, or see our website at tuneintoneup.com. Here you'll find show notes, tabs, and other resources. I hope you're finding these lessons as interesting and useful as I do, and if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them. (laughs) 